Today's scripture, Isaiah 53. I'll be reading verses 4 through 6. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions and was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to their own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of all of us. Go ahead and be seated. We'll be in Luke chapter 9, and I want to share a couple things with you just before we jump in. Uh, next week is the Great Falls Youth Rally, so a lot of our teenagers are going to be gone and participating in that. If you haven't signed up, there's a sign-up sheet in the back. You can sign up there uh, for a ride. And also, um, I've been asked to teach on Sunday morning in Great Falls, and so I will be there. John Dufford is going to be here preaching on Sunday. And John Dufford is, is a guy who is uh, working on a church plant in, um, in Whitehall, just down the road from us. And the church here partially supports uh, the work that he does there. And so he's going to come and share some of that. If you've never met John or been around John, he's a, he's a fascinating guy. Uh, he walks to a different drum, and it's great. And I appreciate him a lot. And so he was excited to be able to come and, and share God's Word with you next week. And also, uh, as was mentioned, Debbie Morgan uh, passed away this last week, um, Wednesday evening about midnight, and uh, her memorial service celebration of life is going to be at 1 o'clock on, uh, on Tuesday here. And so that's, um, for everybody who can make it, that's a, we can uh, uh, show our, our love for the family and, and uh, give, in a sense, Debbie a send-off in uh, all the, the great things that she did in the church and among us here. And I'll, I'll talk about her here in a little bit, but I, I think the way that, that she approached these last months of life with her cancer, the courage that she had, I, I think it changed all of us in that um, it, she showed that... Um, that when we come face to face with with passing, like like uh, Doug Brown when he passed, did the same thing, and, and others in the, the short time that I've been here, I've watched. Uh, it's, it's something different when we're as Christians and we know the the end of life in this life is coming. It's different, and there's a courage and there's a peace that that isn't found anywhere else. And um, and I've I've seen that as well. So we're going to be in Luke chapter nine. And uh, we, we started off in Luke chapter 9 last time, where, where Jesus went from the disciples being, being spectators to saying, all right, now it's your turn to do the things that I've been telling you. He sent them out and, and told them to teach and to heal people, and they came back, and, and you imagine the excitement that they had when they were, they were able to do that. And the feeding of the 5,000, he gives the opportunity for the disciples. Now, what are you going to do here? How are you going to take care of these people? We have no idea. So Jesus comes to the rescue. He breaks the loaves and the fish, and, and they distribute it. But we see the disciples going from being spectators that are just listening to people that have a purpose and are part of the mission of Jesus. And, as, and so that's what we saw last week, and we continue on here. And this is where I finished last week with a discussion. What happens is, is Jesus asks this question in verse 18. Once when Jesus was praying in a private and his disciples were with him, he asked... Who do the crowds say I am? Okay, that's, that's, a, that's an easy question, isn't it? Because it's always easy to talk about what everybody else thinks there. Okay, right? We can talk about what everybody else's opinion is and all that. And so the, their, their response is, well, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say one of the prophets. But Jesus just sets them up 
for the next question he's going to ask. Because what he's going to talk about here for the next little bit here in the book of Luke is who am I and what am I about? Really, really, let's get past this miracles. Let's get back some of the teaching. We're going to get down to, to the heart of all of this. And so he says, what about you? Okay, what about you? Who do you say I am? And out of the 12 apostles, there's one that is almost always the first one to speak. Who is it? Peter, almost always the first one to speak. And it's the same thing here. What happens is, he says, they replied, verse 19, Some say John the Baptist, like I mentioned, others Elijah, still others. That one of the prophets of long ago came, has come back to life. Verse 20, but what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? And Peter's response is that I believe that you are the Messiah. And Messiah is the king that has been talked about since way back. The prophets talked about. But the first time, let's go back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. I want to show you something. If you've never seen this before, it's, it's pretty neat. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Okay, something happens in Genesis chapter 3 that changes the world. Adam and Eve sin. And that changes everything. And so God comes back on the scene and says, What have you done? And, and Adam says, Well, it was her fault. <laughs> this woman that you gave me did this. And Eve says, Well, it was that serpent's fault. It was a lot of blaming going around. And so what God does is he, he gives some, some consequences here. But one of the things he talks about when he's talking to the serpent, or Satan, in chapter 3, verse 15, he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. Okay, a lot of people don't like snakes. Maybe that's part of it. Okay, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So what, what God is sharing right there is that there is going to be an offspring of woman, of mankind, that you are going to strike his heel, but this offspring is going to crush your head for what you have done here. And when you read some of the, the Jewish literature of Jesus' time, they understood this to be the first prophecy where God just started opening, opening the door to say there's going to be someone that's going to come that's going to be much, much greater than anything you can ever imagine. And Moses talks about this great prophet that's going to come. Elijah, um, others, many, many others speak about this great, great prophet that is going to come called the Messiah, who is going to be the anointed one or the king. Or, or the priest, you know, all of the above. And so Peter, for the first time here in the book of Luke, one of the disciples says, I believe that you are this Messiah that we've been hearing about, that we've been waiting about. You're him. And so Peter is the first one to stick his ne neck out and say, you're the Messiah, because what happens if he's wrong? There's big consequences if he's wrong, because you follow the wrong people, you go to the wrong places, all of that. Peter's aware of that, but Peter is convinced enough because what he has seen and what he has been able to do by jumping out and joining the mission of God, that yes, this Jesus that they've been following around, he is the Messiah. He's the one, he's the one that we're going to follow, and he is it. And so Jesus starts, doesn't leave it right there. Maybe for me, I would think, well, okay, that would be a time for Jesus to say, all right, now you know who I am. Good, good for all of you. Let's have a party. Let's go out and eat dinner. Let's do something big because you know who I am. We figured this out. This is great, okay, fantastic. But look at what Jesus does next. Going back to, to Luke chapter 9, verse 21. Luke chapter 9, verse 21 says, Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. And so what he's talking about here is the time isn't right yet for the word to get out. Okay, it's going to come, but not now. 
And he said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day raised to life. Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and the holy angels. Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. About eight days after this, Jesus had said this. He took Peter, John, and James with him and went up on a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment in Jerusalem. Peter, again, here's Peter, the first one to speak. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. In other words, let's put up these three places of worship that we can come, one for Moses, one for Elijah, one for you. In verse 43, while he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them. And they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at the time what they had seen. And so Jesus goes on after Peter confesses that you are the Messiah. You're the one. He spends some time talking about what it means to be the Messiah. And first of all, being the Messiah means suffering. It doesn't mean big house, doesn't mean big popularity, doesn't mean all of the the things that we would define with success. But what it means is suffering. That's what being the Messiah means. And not only that, is being rejected and killed by his own people. The very people that were supposed to welcome him, the very people that God had invested so much time in sharing what the kingdom of God was about. They were the very people that were going to turn around, that were going to knife in the back, if you will, put him on that cross and execute him. Wow, if you were Jesus' disciples, uh, what, what do you think you'd be thinking there? <laughs> you know, one of the gospel accounts talks about how Peter says, no, 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 this isn't going to happen, Jesus. You must be confused. You must not know what the kingdom of God is about because that's just not going to happen to you. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, because you don't understand the things of God here. You don't understand how important this is. And that's what being the Messiah is all about, is what Jesus says here, at least this part of it. Is suffering, being rejected, and being killed by his own people. And in addition, following the Messiah, he goes on to say, this is what it means. It means letting go of your life and embracing Jesus. Instead of embracing your life and letting go of Jesus. Okay, we've got to make a choice there. We can't do both. Um, There is a... And there's part of me, whenever I come across this passage where Jesus says, you've got to deny yourself... Take up your cross, follow me. You've got to leave yourself there and, and embrace me. There's part of me that thinks, well, come on, Jesus, can't I have both? I mean, both sounds great, doesn't it? It sounds awesome that I can, I can follow my, the, whatever I want to do and I can follow whatever Jesus wants me to do, and those are the same, and, and, it, and, and that's the way it works, right? And it never starts that way. It ends that way with spiritual maturity, but it never starts that way. We have to get to a point where we say, what I am doing is not working, and I'm willing to give up and, and 
give myself up so that Jesus can make me what he has designed me to be. Think about it this way. Um, when we think about, I just want to do things my own way. Can't God be okay with that? It's forgetting very, one very important detail, that God made me, and so my job is to be what he wants me to be. And if I decide that I'm just going to do what I want, ultimately I'm making myself the idol. And I'm not, I'm not just following what God wants me to be. I'm not submitting myself to God. So think about it this way. How many of you have, can think of a piece of pottery that someone put together that is beautiful that you've seen, that really struck your eye? You know what I'm talking about? There was, um, I did some premarital counseling for a couple once, and, and she did a lot of pottery. And as a thank you gift, they gave us a picture and some different things that she made, and it's gorgeous. It's just beautiful, uh, these, this handmade pottery. Now, how many of you have seen middle school pottery from middle school class? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it takes a lot of love to see the, the beauty in that. You know what I'm, I mean? Because, because when you take middle school pottery, you may or may not have the gift of, of designing all that kind of thing. And I know there's, there's middle school pottery that I've seen at times, and you think, wow, I don't think I want to touch that. But I know that there was heart, soul put into it, so I love it and all that. But that's the same concept. In fact, that imagery is used in Romans, as, as Paul is trying to explain, is that if we are left to ourselves to create ourselves in the way we want to be created, then it's not going to be very pretty in the end. We're not going to do a good job because we're not designed to do that. God has designed us that when we get in step with our Creator, He is this this master potter that makes us and molds us into something wonderful and something beautiful. But in order for that to happen, in order for us to truly find ourselves and truly find what we're supposed to be and designed to be, we have to give up and say, all right, God, I think I'm not going to be a great person to be able to shape the pottery of my life, and I think you're going to be a lot better at that, and so I'm going to give up and I'm going to allow you to take over the wheel. All right, I'm going to let you make me beautiful and make me the way you've designed me to be because you're just going to be better at that than me. That's the concept that Jesus is giving here. And, and so what that means is denying ourselves, taking up our cross daily, and following him. You notice how often it says there, once a week, twice a week? Taking up our cross daily and following Jesus. Is that every day we wake up and say, all right, I am not my own. I'm going to, to take whatever God has given me today and I'm going to follow him, and I'm going to do whatever I can in order to be a part of God's mission today. And that's what, that's what it's all about. And so when we do that, then we are letting go of our own life, and we are embracing the life that Jesus has given us. That's what, he, that's what following the Messiah is all about. And so I imagine that Peter and these disciples, that wasn't earth-shattering, or at least this part wasn't earth-shattering to them, because they had already left businesses, they had already left family, they had already left um, other aspects of life in order to follow Jesus. And so they understood what denying self was about. But it doesn't end there. It doesn't end with just denying self and then God makes me into what he wants me to be. But you notice, right after all of this discussion of what it means to deny self, that Jesus is going to be executed, that Jesus is submitting himself, he's humbling himself, there's something else. Is that Jesus takes a few of his disciples goes up onto a mountain and something amazing happens. It's called the transfiguration where Moses appears and Elijah appears and all of a sudden Jesus is covered in light to where they can't even look at him because the the brightness is so amazing. And Jesus is transfigured, I believe, to be who he 
really is when all the human aspect of him is torn away. We're seeing Jesus as he really is there. Jesus as he will be when he's, he's resurrected. And so Jesus shows here that although I'm going to be suffered and I'm going to be rejected by people, I'm going to be executed and, and you guys are going to have to give up. Look, I'm going to show you something behind the curtain here. Ta-da! This is what happens when you do this. Isn't this amazing? And you have these, these three apostles there are floored and they don't know what to make of it. Because Jesus is showing them something amazing here. You look through scripture, there's a couple of exceptions to this. But there's a number of people that have been raised to life. They were dead. They were raised by the prophets or, or someone. But something that was, that was common with all of them is they eventually died again later. The exception is, is Elijah never died and a guy in Genesis named Enoch that never died. But we have something here that Jesus is showing us is that when he's executed, he's going to come back to live, never to die again, and and. And go forth. And what we're going to learn, and what the disciples are going to learn, because they don't understand this. They're wrestling with, what does this mean, being executed? We don't, we don't get all that. How do you raise the life after the third day? Is that Jesus is going to be raised never ever to die again, and that is different than things that have happened before. And not only that, but raised to be great. This, this resurrection body or this, this image that Jesus is, whoever, however that is, that they saw, is that is beyond our comprehension of, of what what um, what life should look like, and as just as Jesus and and uh, is raised never to die again, we have that opportunity to do the same as well. There is uh, there's some great uh, lists that I think no maybe it wouldn't be a part of all of these lists in in life, but if you there's a great list of the, the Super Bowl champions, historically. Hey, that's a pretty prestigious honor to be there. Or a Super Bowl MVP, isn't it? It's pretty prestigious. President of the United States. There's a list of people who have served as President of the United States. Pretty prestigious list. Uh, the Boone and Crockett Club. Pretty prestigious list. How many of you know what the Boone and Crockett Club is? Yeah. If you shoot big animals, then they go in the Boone and Crockett Club. Most of us will never have one in life. Once in a while it does, unless you have a lot of money to pay for it. Shoot big animals. Once in a while, the right animal comes along in Boone and Crockett. It's big enough for, to qualify for the Boone and Crockett Awards. But it's one of those things that's prestigious. It's, you know, some people look and say, yes, I would love to shoot a Boone and Crockett animal. That's awesome. That would be fantastic. love to have that on my wall. But there's another list that is given in Scripture about what greatness is. And you see a reference to it in, the, in Revelation as the Book of Life. And that as we follow God, our names can be written in the book of life, and our names can be there for all eternity. And that is the book and the list that God keeps handy to find out who are his, in, in our human terms of speaking. And so we can pursue all sorts of different things. The disciples had the opportunity to pursue all sorts of different things. But what Jesus is telling them is what I want you to pursue and what I can show you that you can pursue is you can pursue your name being on this list that is much, much greater than any, any other list that's out there. And so for us, this is what it boils down to. Following the Messiah means being raised to live, never to die again. I know in the last, uh, last months of life, there's a, a few things, and I'll share more at Debbie's memorial service on, on Tuesday, but a few different conversations that I, I had with her um, that were uh, 
that are pretty powerful uh, because what she did is is when she found out that she had this cancer that was that was very severe, she started in her mind very quickly saying, "All right, I may not be in this life very long. What do I need to do in order to leave things better? How do I how do I set my own house in order?" And what I saw from Debbie was was her, um, and I'm sure if I sat face-to-face with Debbie right now, she'd be the first to say, well, I didn't do that very well. I could have done that better. <laughs> but all of us are like that, okay? All of us never achieve exactly what we're trying to produce, you know, probably. But what I saw in Debbie was courage. And she said, all right, I've never been more at peace in my life. I can leave the responsibilities that God has given me here. I got to experience so much in life. I had people that cared enough about me to share the gospel of Jesus with me. I became a Christian, and I was followed, followed God. And I have all of these, uh, these, these kids and grandkids that, that are around that I have been blessed, and I have been given so, so much. And... Uh, and I'm ready to go to be with God. When I worked in the hospital in Great Falls, a lot of people don't have this opportunity. I call it opportunity. Or faced with this, I don't know. But people are in the last minutes of life, last hours of life, they want to talk to a chaplain. They'd call me, and I would go up, and I would sit beside the bed, and I would listen, and I would talk with them, and I'd read scripture with them. And I don't know how many times I sat there beside people's beds and they would talk about all the regrets they had in life. The things that they did that they shouldn't have done. The people that they should have loved that they didn't love. And I remember one time in particular, this lady, deep, deep blue eyes, grabbing my hand, a strong, strong lady, grabbing my hand, looking me in the eyes and saying, am I going to be okay Am I going to be okay? Am I going to be okay when I slip into the next life? The terror that she had at that point in time. The regrets that she had. I've seen that way too many times. But what I saw from Debbie was something very, very different. What I saw from her when I was able to, Best Trader and I were at their house when family came over and, and Debbie had some final words to say to all of her family. And Beth and I got to be there as fly on the wall and just watch and observe. And Debbie went through her family and, and encouraged everybody and said, there's all sorts of things that, that people get bent out of shape of in life and, and miss out on, on doing the best things in life and, and serving God and, and, and giving our best to Him. And I think I've, I've done that and there's things that I could have done better, but I have no regrets. And she said that several times over. No regrets. And then she said something that was kind of funny. Well, I don't really have anything more to say beyond that. (laughs) You don't need to say anything more. That's good. You said it. It's fantastic. And I think in that, she's a great example for all of us, is that this is what Jesus is giving us, is what it means to follow Jesus, is deny self, take up our cross daily and follow him. Instead of me hanging on to what me, 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 is saying, God, all right, I'm going to let you do your thing. You know more than me. You created me. 
I'm just going to jump on board with whatever you want me to do every day, try to be part of your mission. And by doing so, what happens is we get this promise that we're going to be raised to life, never to die again. And we have the opportunity, the guarantee, to be great, to be part of the book of life that is more prestigious than any other list that our name can be on. And that's what Jesus is preparing his disciples for. This is what I want you to be. I want you to be people that want your name in the book of life, because that's what everything else is all about. Okay, that's a plan for all of us. Live each day like we're serving God. We don't know if we have tomorrow. That's what Jesus wanted for his disciples. That's what he wants for us. Evan, we on? We're good. You're still up for it? Okay. Okay, this is it. So, um, Evan, um, who has been uh, among us here for a while, has been participating in the church, uh, he and I and, and several of us had spiritual conversations with him here the last while. And Evan has said, uh, here a few months ago, he said, I'm just, I'm not ready. I know that I need to commit my life to Christ. And I'm just not ready. I got some stuff that I need to get sorted out in my head and heart. And uh, so that's great. You take, you're not walking this alone. Well, I'll walk through this together with you. We're going to pray with you through this. And, uh, and today... Uh, Evan says, all right, <laughs> today's the day, now's the time. I'm going to give my life to Christ today, and I'm going to become part of his kingdom. And he, he said something that I really appreciated. He said, I'm ready, I'm ready, I think I'm ready. I said, okay, that's good, okay? It's like when we get married. We think we know what we're getting into, but it's, it, we, just, we learn as we go along. That's just part of how it works. And so Evan is, is ready to make this commitment to, to Jesus today. And so... Well, uh, if you have prayers that you'd like to bring before the elders, the elders will meet you in the back. If you'd like to become a Christian, hey, the water's already here. We can do that. And uh, we'll, uh, Cody, why don't you come and, and we'll finish out our, our normal schedule of assembly today, and then we'll, we'll finish up with... Uh, with